Merry Christmas. So I guess uh, now yesterday, since we all decided to say Mass at midnight, um, yesterday I got a call, not today, um, that from a, a priest friend of mine, a really close priest friend of mine, for, to conceal his identity, I'll say his name is Father Met Bretzler. Father uh, Met Bretzler is a priest in Texas, so he's not here, and we call uh, regularly to confess to one another our kind of new priest embarrassing moments. So then this means that we keep in touch no less than every two weeks, um, sometimes as frequent as once a week or multiple times a week, just because we feel like we're each other's mutual confessors whenever we just mess things up in a rather, hopefully, more innocent way than not. Um, so he called me yesterday morning to say that he was invited to a quinceanera. So Father Matt uh, went to this quinceanera, or he thought he was going to this quinceanera on December 19th, because he does Hispanic ministry. Well, the way in which he messed up was that when he showed up to the house before he had texted, he was like, hi, can I bring anything? This is a family that he's very close to. Um, is there anything that I need to know, like any prayers I need to have? And so he shows up at the house, and no one's there. He's like, well, you know, maybe I'm just early. You know, maybe I'm just being a good citizen. Well, whenever he showed up, he realized that he was not early, he was late. He was three months late. Uh, that the quinceanera was actually September 19th. And so he was left uh, at first anxious and then confused. And then uh, a little sad, and then he was left laughing. And it was a very awkward encounter, and they ended up providing everything, but everything was okay because he's used to that kind of Father Matt Bressler is used to that kind of that kind of mess up. But all that to say is that it was an incident of poor timing, of very poor timing. And that what we see at Christmas and in God's eternal plan and how he works with messed up human reality is that it is of supremely good timing, supremely good timing. One of the things that we hear um, as Catholics a lot with our dating of Christmas is kind of backwards, is that, well, you Catholics just took on this pagan reality and said, oh, well, this fabricated person of Christ is now the new sun god. Because what the Romans did was they celebrated this feast called the winter solstice, where they would see the sun and its power and see that at the end of the year that the sun would fade, fade, fade. And there was this myth that eventually the sun would fade, fade, fade until there would be no more light and the world would be covered in darkness. And so the feast of the winter solstice was that now we notice the days are starting to grow brighter again, that the sun is making a comeback, so to speak, and that there is hope that darkness will not win, but light will prevail. Well, God, in his omnipotence and in his foreknowledge, decided that he would become man in the middle of this feast, that it is intentional that his birth is in the middle of this feast, to take what is broken in humanity and use it to share his own light, that Christ is the one who comes into the middle of human history, that as things get darker and darker with sin, with hatred, with lust, with drunkenness, with bitterness, unforgiveness, Christ is the one 
who enters into the dark night, enters in in the middle of the night as we celebrate tonight, and then gradually becomes the light of the world. But unlike the sun, what Christ does is that he does not overpower. That, as we heard in the gospel, not everyone sees Christ. It's not like a ball of fire that's in the sky that everyone can undeniably say, like, yep, it's making a comeback. You know, the days are getting longer. What we see in Christ is that he comes in the middle of the night and remains unknown. And he comes in three ways. The first, and we heard this in the first reading at the Mass earlier today, was that he comes as a bridal chamber, as a bridegroom, coming out of his bridal chamber. But his bridal chamber isn't that appealing. His bridal chamber happens in the manger, where there are animals, where there aren't pleasant smells, where it's cold, and where it's not a place anybody wants to be in the middle of the night. That Christ comes in this dark place, in this filthy place, in this humble place. And so that the light of the world must be met in humility. But also he's met in the manger because we hear, you know, the manger is the place where food is made. As we hear in the French language, to manger, to eat. That he comes in the manger because he desires that marriage to be consummated whenever he is eaten. Whenever he is taken on flesh in the Eucharist. That he is consumed in this way and so fulfills that bridegroom status. But then thirdly, that it is unbecoming of Christ's dignity to compete with the attention that's in the end. That while the Holy Family sought a room in the end, they were content not to fight for their place in the end, but rather to go to the manger to give birth to the Son of God. Because Christ will not compete with the different things that try to grab our attention, but will only be coming in silence because he desire because he knows that he is victorious because he knows that he will win that he does not need to make a great show like the sun or he does not need to make a great show like caesar augustus and claim his peace over the whole world that what christ needs only do is come in silence and in truth and love and that he know that he will remain victorious over sin and death And so it's important that we remember this, because although, like, I I assume that none of us are really pagans or, like, are pumped for the winter solstice because the sun isn't going to go out this year, but we all do struggle with the faithlessness in mankind, that every year, and particularly around Christmas, whenever selfishness really comes out, whenever our broken relationships with our family and friends comes to the surface, whenever consumerism and selfishness comes and reveals, sticks its ugly head out, that we lose faith in humanity and that the darkness of sin seems to prevail, seems to have won. Still every year Christ comes in the silence of the night. He comes in the silence of the night in his truth and his love, and he does so remaining victorious, never making a big show, of his redemption. And so I'd like to kind of wrap things up with this homily with this sermon from St. Leo, Pope St. Leo the Great. 
He says, dearly beloved, today our Savior is born. Let us rejoice. Sadness should have no place on the birthday of life. The fear of death has been swallowed up. Life brings us joy with the promise of eternal happiness. No one is shut out from this joy. All share the same reason for rejoicing. Our Lord, victor over sin and death, finding no man free from sin, came to free us all. Let the saint rejoice as he sees the palm of victory at hand. Let sinners rejoice as he receives the offer of forgiveness. Let the pagan take courage as he is summoned to light. Christian, remember your dignity. And now that you share in God's own nature, do not return by sin to your former base condition. Bear in mind who is your head and of whose body you are a member. Do not forget that you've been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the light of God's kingdom. Do not drive away so great a guest by evil conduct and become again a slave to the devil. For your liberty was bought by the blood of Christ. Christ comes in silence and in the humility and is food for us to show us our dignity. Christ becomes man to show us our dignity, and this is the way from the inside out that he seeks to conquer the darkness. He shows us what we are worth, that by him becoming man, that man is now worth God, and that we are made for nothing less than him. We ask that he can imprint this truth in our hearts as we celebrate Christmas and worship him.